Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table, midwives of culture for grace and truth. I'm McCamini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? You know, I'm, you know, I'm doing all right. How, how, how you doing, sis? You okay, sis? Girl, well, no, I'm not okay, oh. but, oh. but we're going to get to that. Yeah, to yeah. In a minute. But first of all, where's M? Where's where she is? M, M doing all the things, all the things. <laughs> I, you know, actually, I don't know where she is at this present moment, but she's not. <laughs> I'm just joking. Carmen San Diego is out here and trying, trying, trying to, trying to make the country do right. Is what she, where That's she is right. right now. That's right. We know she in the land of the living because we were texting with her land earlier. Land so. of the living, and she's not <laughs> incarcerated at the moment. Hallelujah. Yes. And yes, uh, yes. but yeah, she's out. She's out there trying to. Um, be consistent in both her faith and in her deeds. So pr- Come on, pray for it, which, which you know what? Thank God for the blood. Cause we, we need the Lord to help us in those things. And so, um, but yeah, but pray for her, pray for her work and pray for all the, all the, uh, the folks out here that are really trying to uh, honor their neighbors by seeking justice on their behalf. Uh, mm-hmm. And we know we have some folks and some friends at the table who are, that's their life's work. So we always want to be mindful of them. Yes. And uh, we want to keep them lifted up in prayer. But certainly our dear sister Michelle is one of those folks. Yes. Yes. You know, and speaking of, uh, of course, of, of um, um, bringing forth justice for our neighbors, yeah. you know, we, you know, we are still in the UOK Sis series, mm-hmm. y'all. Mm-hmm. And Black Midwives and Mamas yeah. is on the table. Yes. Uh, because... Black midwives and mamas matter. Amen. Right? Amen. Should, everybody should agree with Amen. that. Amen. Um, and so, uh, uh, and by, you know, uh, and we have the really distinct honor of actually bringing uh, our sister, mm-hmm. uh, Cecily Smith, to the table, who does this very thing. Cecily, welcome to the table, what? sister. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Hello. Glad to How be here. <laughs> How you doing? I'm you okay, okay. Sis? I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of hesitancy. <laughs> I, well, I know, yeah. Yes, the hesitancy. Yeah. Well, I can tell you right now, I am not okay. Because <laughs> right. this this topic that we're about to go into, it really pisses me off, yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I just, ah, <laughs> it's just so frustrating and so upsetting and so scary. Yeah. So what we're, what we're really about to talk about it's here is black midwives and mamas mm-hmm. and why they matter. And we're going to go into why that is. But before we delve in, why don't I tell y'all a little something about Sister Cecily Smith, okay? Cecily Smith is a racial and maternal justice activist committed to tearing down walls of oppression and division to build bridges that lead to solution-based practices. Mm-hmm. Her journey began with her struggle with infertility and lack of awareness of her own body, and then the eventual uh, healthy, safe, and beautiful births of her own children. Mm-hmm. Over the years, she has witnessed time and again the devastating impact systemic failures in healthcare, housing, and economics have had on the human condition, constantly bearing witness to the impact of structural racism and the violence of our collective inaction, while also being active in activism and faith circles has given her the ability to see the overlap in these structures and the drive to pursue justice in an unconventional way. She is passionate about finding commonalities and creating unlikely allies within her work, as Cecily believes we are stronger when we can find the symmetry in our differences. That's a word. Um, Cecily's passion for Black women and for her community is what compelled her to co-found Abide Women's Health Services, an organization that exists to improve birth outcomes in communities with the lowest quality of care. Executive director, activist, reconciler, speaker, and educator are just a few of the many hats she wears. Cecily resides with her husband and best friend, uh, Raymond and Ramon. Her, R- Ramon, I'm sorry, Ramon. Yes, okay. And there's three and one on the way. Yay. Um, <laughs> child, remarkable and world changing children in Dallas, Texas. Cecily, welcome to the table, Woo! sis. Thank you so much for inviting me to the table, sis. Yes. Yeah. So, I happy mean, we're you. happy to have you because I, you know, there's some things that I know about this topic. There's some things that I'm just ignorant on. So, I'm going to just start with oh, an ignorant question. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to no, ask you. There's no such you. thing as a bad question. <laughs> Okay. That's right. There's no That's right. That's what the teachers used All to right. say. Fine. <laughs> there you go. I mean, you can't know everything. Okay. Amen. You can't Amen. know everything. Exactly. No. I, I don't know everything. Come on now. And so <laughs> that's not a newsflash. But I, I want to know from you, what is a midwife and a doula? Are they the same? 
Or is yeah, there a break, difference? Break down what, the can terminology. You, can you break yeah. it down for us? What's we the difference? Them. You know, is there yeah. a difference? And what, what do oh, they yeah. do? Oh, definitely. And why do they matter? <laughs> <laughs> there is definitely a difference between a midwife and a doula. So oh, okay. a, doula, a doula is a labor support person. Mm-hmm. I am a trained doula. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we provide physical, mental, sometimes spiritual support Mm -hmm. um, for women while they're in labor. Mm -hmm. Um, We support their families before Mm -hmm. labor and after. So there are women that support women during the postpartum period where we're trying to um, just figure out the warning signs of postpartum Mm -hmm. depression. Mm -hmm. Is she bleeding too much? Um, Helping with breastfeeding. We do not do anything clinical. It's all just uh, basic support Mm -hmm. for women. You know, comfort measures, really helping women um, and empower women and encourage women to speak for themselves mm-hmm. and have uh, the, the confidence to make an informed choice in whatever labor she's in, whether it's in a hospital, home birth, birth center birth. So that's what a doula is. No clinical whatsoever. Mm-hmm. A midwife is, a, like, to me, I like to define a midwife as a, a extremely wise OB. Mm-hmm. Um, midwives are <laughs> women who are trained in birth. Mm-hmm. They are specifically trained in birth. They're trained in natural birth. Mm-hmm. So they do not perform surgeries. Mm-hmm. They perform all of the clinical examinations during the pre, um, pre, you know, during the before birth, mm-hmm. you know, before labor. But um, they do all of the clinical work and are able to assess mom during, before, during, and after birth and do basic um, screenings of newborn mm-hmm. care as well. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. the difference. So connected to natural birth. is mid- Absolutely. Strictly. Okay. Wow. Okay. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Now that's, yeah. That, yeah no, look, we're sitting you. here like mind blown. <laughs> Am I going to do a natural birth? Look, I, don't I, was, know. I was sitting here thinking, like, I, I, I was like, I need a life doula. I just need a doula in general. I was like, can I just I know, get a doula to all. help me? And just, I'm not pregnant, but I have children and I would just like a doula. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be helpful with my yeah. life. Wow. We used to call them aunties mm, yes. back Talk in the about day. that. You, well, you know, I mean, really, like doulas, mm. um, that's what we used to be. Like mm. we were the aunties, we were the the relatives, the close family friends. Mm. The midwife was the mm. your grandma, mm. you know. Um, midwives, as far as black midwives, only make up two, maybe almost three percent of midwives mm. in this country. Um, where black midwives mm. actually were delivering mm. all the babies back in the day. They brand midwives. Mm. So Cecily, a little bit about how that has come to be that we are so disconnected from this. I mean, midwives are the the generational norm, like throughout society, throughout different parts of the world, up until very modern history. um, Do we have this kind of introduction Mm -hmm. of the medicalized hospital format? And so even within our kind of African-American perspective, how how do you think that we um, shifted to this place of not really even knowing what they do and not really even preferring midwives? Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it all began with the vilifying of midwives mm-hmm. back in the day. It was the, um, you know, it was t- turning turning birth into a medical issue rather than just mm-hmm. the natural, mm-hmm. normal thing. It became a medical issue. And so it was, how do we get these women into the hospital mm-hmm. setting? And by doing that, they treat, you know, the medical establishment painted midwives as disgusting and dirty and filthy. And there were all kinds of images of Mm. black midwives, um, even Jewish Mm. midwives posted all over that, you know, would say, do you want this woman Mm. delivering your baby? Mm. You know? Mm. And so it was, it was turning it into a profit Mm -hmm. (laughs) essentially. Mm -hmm. That's what happened, you know? And so, the medical establishment did that and it changed the mm-hmm. course of history. It really mm-hmm. did. It changed it on such a drastic level, but I truly believe that it's coming mm-hmm. back around. It's coming back around. There are so many um, black midwives right now seeking to become midwives or black student midwives mm-hmm. seeking to become midwives, but there's just a lot of um, inequality or inequity mm-hmm. in midwifery 
which makes this a very difficult mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we need more midwives, period, across the board right now, but it's it just seems to be this competition between the medical establishment and what is really healthy and good mm-hmm. for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and um, that's, I mean, I guess it, it, that should not be surprising to us, but I think it's just, it's jarring though when, when it, when it begins to actually hit home for you, right? Um, mm-hmm. When you're when you're pregnant, when you're the one you know who maybe has has experienced a loss, right? Um, because right. of the uh, the way things have trended so far, um, and I just want to you know just launch in here and actually read a stat actually that uh, has just. Uh, it's something that you know I read about this you know a couple of years ago, but it's something that's really, really uh, I have not been able to dislodge from my spirit, if you will. Um, and this is from an um, an article. I mean, you know, I'd be trying to give you my my little sources now um, from NPR. Uh, entitled "Black Mothers Keep Dying After Giving Birth," and it shares um, Shalone uh, Irving's story. And uh-huh. so this is the quote about. Uh, where it actually cites a stat from the CDC. So according to the CDC, black mothers in the U.S. die at three to four times the rate of white mothers. One of the widest of all racial disparities in women's health. Put another way, a black woman is 22% more likely to die from heart disease than a white woman, 71% more likely to perish from cervical cancer, but 243% more likely to die from pregnancy or childbirth related causes, end quote. So we are essentially literally dying to give life, dying to give birth. What is going on, Cecily? What is happening? Man, this this is what makes us not okay, right? Yes, right. we are not. You know, this is um, something that is impacting women on such a catastrophic level, um, and it's not getting better. I mean, I see it happening in in small, you know, small sections of small organizations doing various things. But really, the bottom line is, I like to tell people that implicit bias Mm -hmm. and explicit biases are killing black women. Mm. Um, I oftentimes people think that it's a poverty issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Shalon Irving, she worked for the CDC. Yes, she did. Um, uh, Kira, Kira Johnson, whose husband Charles advocates for her, advocates for her. She almost died just for, you know, them. Well, actually, no, Kira, Kira Johnson died. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> if you just look her up, look up uh, for Kira, for moms and read her story of a woman that was not listened to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Serena Williams. Williams, mm-hmm. right. right. Mm-hmm. You know, black women are not listened to. Yeah. 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 Um, and it starts from the, it starts from the phone, the first phone call that they make. Mm. You know, it's the, it's our name. It's the way we sound. Mm-hmm. It's the biases that people have mm. um, that automatically put, um, automatically put them in the defense, mm. yeah. you know, with regards to the type of uh, standard of care that they will um, give us. Mm. And um, I strongly believe it's implicit bias. It's lack of cultural humility. Mm. Right. Um, it's the othering of black women. Mm. It's whiteness being the standard. Mm. Um, it's, it's racism. <laughs> it's systemic racism. Plain and on, on, a, on a level that is, it's so complex and so layered, you know, um, that's what's killing black women right now. You know, um, what would you, so, so I, and while I was reading, um, mm-hmm. I can't do that. Um, so when I, when I was reading, you know, about, of course, mortality rates, infant mortality rates, I also mm-hmm. ran across this term called weathering, right? Um, I'd oh, love okay. for you to talk about what that what that is instead of me trying to explain that. Yeah. Uh, you, you would be better at, at that. But um, I also saw that those stats, you know, for black women were it was the same for black immigrant, you know, women too. So it's not as if you know uh, uh, the black diaspora right here in America is not impacted. Right. Um, in the mm-hmm. same way as say, you know, um, uh, African descendants of enslaved people. So I want to be able to, I want to make sure that we, our sisters at the table are understanding that this impacts all of us. 
um, here. Mm, so right. Can you talk to us about what weathering is? And when you say implicit and explicit racism is what's impacting us. Can you talk about how you differentiate those and some, maybe some examples of what that might be? Yeah. So when I talk about implicit and explicit biases, it's uh, literally, it's when I say like from the first phone call, it's, uh, the name, our name, if your name is Shaniqua, mm-hmm. you know, what the culture says about black people, um, what the media says about black people, um, having a name, having a slang, African-American vernacular, mm-hmm. um, not speaking a certain um, type of way um, creates this defense mechanism in some people that they're un- they're completely unaware of, but they've been trained to react in a certain way that um, causes them to have, causes their guard to go up and causes them to start judging black women in a certain way. And it, I mean, it, it also goes for, um, our Latina women, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you're speaking with with your act, with an accent Mm -hmm. or a certain Mm -hmm. way, there's automatic judgment on, you know, what type of person this is. If Shaniqua calls to make an appointment, there's this automatic judgment on, okay, oh goodness, she must be on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. You know, these little thoughts. There is the going into the hospital and have um, not um, receiving healthcare throughout the duration of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. There's a bias right there in and of itself of this woman is irresponsible. Mm Okay, well, is she irresponsible or could she not afford to take off her work so that she could go to the doctor? Mm -hmm. You know, what about her life experience? Mm. You know, and so those are these are all just small examples of what Mm -hmm. implicit biases um, are and how it can impact women that um, nurses and doctors come in contact with. You don't know everyone's story, Mm. you know. Now, when it comes to weathering, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, I'm like, where's the official definition of weathering? Right, right. But we, we know that black women, um, and there's been many studies that that show that um, the stress on the body, mm. the, the stress of racism impacts us on a molecular level. Mm. It does. Mm. And so if you forget about childbirth, talking about just the stress on the body, right. period, mm-hmm. of everyday instances of racism Mm -hmm. and you know and so so many instances of racism that people are completely unaware Mm -hmm. of and how it affects our bodies and how it changes us and so if it changes us just a normal average black person how does it change and it impact a woman that's carrying a human life inside of her and that stress of the body Mm -hmm. you know while she's carrying that human and that's just passed on from generation like the generation of um, and the history of racism, slavery, Jim Crow, everything that's happened in this country, just it's passed on on a, it's on a molecular right, level right. and um, it, it affects mm-hmm. us. So I'm I'm sure that isn't the greatest <laughs> explanation no, of like I should probably pull out the official definition of weathering, but that's yeah. mine. <laughs> no, no, I think I think that puts it right where we can get it. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> there's no point in teaching. We have to teach too, <laughs> not oh, not yeah, over. Right. <laughs> so I received sure. that. I have yeah. been taught, yeah. and I appreciate that. Um, you know, okay. there there are. Um, there are a lot of people, for example, who, for whatever reasons, their biases about midwives, some of the things that you've already discussed, kind of the propaganda campaign mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. took them out of favor, um, that will always probably want to go through kind of a, a medical center hospital, right, for uh, labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. And yet, I'm wondering if you could offer maybe some suggestions to women about um, questions that they should ask or how to be mindful of that. And I'm, and I'm coming yeah. from my own story, my own narrative, my, um, my very first child. Um, if I was to like write that out, it would be like a horror story. Like my labor and delivery was just mm. crazy. So whenever I'm around black women, they're like, I had hard, you know, delivery or it was implicit and explicit racial bias. I'm like, amen, touche. And I know. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, I was sent home um, with uh, Ambien, like so sleeping pills while, mm. while in labor. Um, and so, Oh. Yes. I, does, does, does that not sound odd? Yes, indeed. So um, and really left to fend. And part of it is because um, my way of dealing with physical pain is not it's, it's probably much more internalized. So I wasn't screaming. 
I was just like, I'm in a lot of pain. Uh-huh. Like, and I'm going to have a baby today. Yeah. Like, you should admit me. <laughs> right. And so, um, and really without even checking me, they said, well, you know, you probably just need to rest and here's a sleeping pill. And so I have my own personal story um, and I wish I had been equipped with more wisdom, just a couple of more questions when you're in pain and you really need somebody to help advocate for you, particularly with your first child, because people can describe it, but you may never know what to really expect. Um, And so, but I I wonder if you could offer Cecily some just wisdom of when you go, if you hear this, or these are some good questions that you might need to ask. Well, first of all, I think that every woman needs to have a doula if they're mm-hmm. having a baby in the hospital setting. And the reason why I say this is because a doula is trained and equipped to help you um, ask those mm-hmm. questions and to know what informed consent is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also have a childbirth education class as well. Um, knowing that prepares you more for uh, childbirth or what to expect in the hospital setting. But I would say that when you're, when you, um, it really, honestly, it depends on the situation. Like there's so many various varying situations that happen for women when they go into the hospital. But I, I would say if there is ever a question, um, as to why they are having you do or not do anything, there needs to be a, a mm-hmm. why the question needs to be why, um, is this safe? Show me how it's safe. Let me have documentation. Give me time to think about it. And I think that um, oftentimes we put too much of the power um, into the hands of the doctors and the medical establishment when we have to remind ourselves that we hire them and um, we have to empower ourselves to um, not only ask those important questions, but Mm -hmm. to pause and, and say that it is okay not to have an answer for them right now. Okay. It is okay to refuse service. Mm. It is okay. <laughs> it's honestly, it's okay for you to fire your OB. Mm. Mm-hmm. It mm. is. It's okay for you to say, I don't want that nurse touching mm. me. And I, I, and I think that's what's happened though in the past, sev- you know, several generations is we have, um, or the medical establishment anyways, has essentially played God. Mm. And we um, have not felt empowered enough to speak mm-hmm. up and say, no. Yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no. Um, and I think that's what's happening right now with doulas and with people that work and fight for maternal justice and reproductive justice is we're taking back our power. Mm. That's what mm-hmm. happened. Honestly, when midwives were uh, vilified, you know, they stripped women of our power. Mm-hmm. They they put us to sleep, you know, during childbirth. And we woke up with the baby mm-hmm. in our hand. You know, mm-hmm. they, they stripped women of our of our power mm-hmm. to deliver our mm-hmm. babies. And now we're saying, no, mm-hmm. I'm in control. So I think it has to start there. I mean, I can give you a, a variety of di- different circumstances, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think you, we've got we've to slow down. We've got to pause. And we have to know that we don't have to give them an answer right away. And we, um, we can yeah. say no. So I, I like, Cecily, that you brought up the term reproductive justice. Yes, and and also thinking about specifically what yeah. that means for uh, women who are descendants of the transatlantic slave trade, knowing that our bodies oh. were commodified and used in order to create products for, you know, capitalistic gain, meaning people. And so this sense in which mm-hmm. Black women have always been uh, mulified and, and commodified is ingrained in um, the fabric of this country, for example, we just focus on the United States. And yet when you talk about a concept like reproductive justice, uh, there has there oftentimes is a, a connotation specifically related to abortion rights. Uh, when I think about the term uh-huh. reproductive justice, that's where my association goes. And if there was ever a group that I was sympathetic towards about what does it mean to have full autonomy over your body, it certainly would include women of color and in this case, black women. Um, 
So I want for you to help maybe our listeners to unpack that because I know a part of your commitment to your work is also that is also around the um, under the umbrella of a pro life commitment. Um, and so, uh-huh. can you unpack what it means to be both pro life and committed to uh, reproductive justice? Absolutely, I can do that. But uh, before I do that, I like to give the the definition of reproductive justice. I'm like, wow, I can give a definition. Let's see. <laughs> Sister Song. You, you're running a whole class on this table you today. Are. I am learning. I got questions. Okay, you're going to learn today. today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're going to learn today. <laughs> yes. So um, Sister Song defines um, reproductive justice as the human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy, have children, not have children, mm-hmm and parent the children we have in a safe and sustainable community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, man, reproductive justice with a pro-life lens to me looks like a consistent life ethic. Mm-hmm. Come on. Being consistent. Mm-hmm. Come on. Um, I truly, man, being in this work of pro-life activism mm-hmm. and reproductive justice work is a, it's a definitely a difficult one to navigate sure. mm-hmm. um, because the subject, especially of abortion is very polarizing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I believe that there is one, a lack of understanding of um, the oppression, the true oppression that black women have experienced here in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also um, what we call, I believe, on both sides of this debate, um, I think people get tunnel vision, mm-hmm. um, or on those on the pro life side, that we call it fetal tunnel vision, mm-hmm. and then um, <laughs> those on the other side are more um, that tunnel vision on autonomy, mm-hmm. autonomy. Right. That's it. Right. That's it. And I, I truly believe that it's a lot more complex than we make it out sure. to be. And um, in order to do this work, we have to begin to, to actually listen to each other's stories and really understand the, the true meaning behind why we advocate for whomever. Why do people advocate for the unborn? Why do people advocate for uh, bodily autonomy? And for Black women, it's because we've never had the rights to our own bodies. Mm-hmm. And because of it's because of this that I have a tremendous amount of respect and love for reproductive justice activists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I do. And um, although I do at some, at, you know, in some instances feel there's a lack of consensus, there's a lack of consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that if we just had more consistency when it comes to the life of the unborn as well, that, oh my goodness, so much, um, so much progress would be mm-hmm. made. But um one of the reasons why I have so much respect is that oh, oftentimes reproductive justice activists, they're looking at the big picture. They're looking at, you know, black women that are unable to parent a child in a safe environment. They're looking at police brutality. They're looking at the, um, the conversations they're having to have with their black sons and now their black daughters regarding, um, maternal health, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, so, yeah, it's all about, to me, consistency mm-hmm. and valuing the life from womb to tomb. But it requires breaking down structures of oppression that were built to harm black and brown people. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the root. And what's, what's that's an the example root of, it all. of that um, a structure of like oppression, as you define, as you as you say it? Yeah, absolutely. So that is really breaking down. For instance, I live in South Dallas and understanding the history of our community and seeing that um, the structures here, there, there is a tremendous uh, gap, wealth gap here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was built that way. You know, the food deserts were made they weren't accidental, you know, the, the impoverished communities were made. They weren't accidental. You know, it's looking, it's going back. And what's really interesting about all of this is we have to look at the intersection of everything. And, and so it's looking at redlining and how that plays a role in how the communities are. It's looking at 
access to quality health care. It's looking at, oh, you know what, that that hospital doesn't have cultural competency or um, implicit bias training, or at least it's not embedded within the fabric mm-hmm. of its mm-hmm. of its hospital. Mm-hmm. Well, that creates an environment that is harmful to black people. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, I mean, there's so there's so many levels from economic to healthcare to um, food to, to housing discrimination. All of that plays a role in how um, a life flourishes. Right. You know, it's like a it's it's a stumbling block to life flourishing, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. So that's what I see when I look at the systems. That's what I look at. I look at all. I look at everything around me. I look at going to the fiesta down the street and realizing that, oh, diapers are even more expensive right here in this impoverished community than it is three miles away in Uptown. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at at that. I look at back in the day when the WIC offices would do more promotion of um, formula than they would breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's looking at the marketing of breastfeeding. When you have two white couple, you know, you have a white couple, a man and a woman, you know, a family. And then you have a white woman, a single, I'm sorry, a Mm -hmm. black woman, a single black woman by herself. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's from the marketing, which it it influences um, each of us, all of us as human beings, how we view people of color, which then impacts our own biases and it's unconscious. Mm. It's so strategic. It's so crazy. It's strategic, but it yet it, imp- it impacts humanity in an unconscious yeah. manner. We don't even see yeah. it happening until it's too late. Yeah. Until you have statistics right now that say black women are dying at three to four times the rate of white women. And you have black babies dying at two to three times the rate of white babies. <sighs> My goodness. Yeah, and it's so insidious as you as you say. Um, I, I'm, I, I, you know, listening to you and just hearing your passion and just how compelling, you know, um, just you know the, the way that you're, you're you're responding, you know, to to the questions and and to the issue really of the day. I'm curious if you, um, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing. Um, I read it in your bio, but sharing a bit more about your story, how you came to this work, mm-hmm. um, and then how. Um, how, how you how, how you began to take up this mantle and not just take take it up and just to talk about it, but also co-founded um, Abide Women's Health Services. So you could talk to us about a bit about your story, your journey, mm-hmm. how you became, you know, came to this work and then um, decided to establish Abide uh, Women's Health Services. I th- our listeners would love to hear that. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, um, it's, when I look back to, when I look back at my life, and I see, and compared to where it is now, I see how God was very strategic mm-hmm. in how and how everything worked out. I went through um, the first few years of my marriage. We were we were told we couldn't have children. We're you know there were so many um, things stacked against us. I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a one blocked, completely blocked fallopian wow. tube. Um, there are other issues, and. I finally like released that desire of having children of my own and left it in the Lord's hands, which is the lesson that the Lord was really trying to teach me the entire Mm -hmm. time. And surprise, surprise, six months later, I have a, I'm pregnant. And then every two to three years I'm pregnant with another child. But what's interesting is I had, um, Mm -hmm. through that, I had my first child at home right outside of Philly. And um, it was through the care that I received from my midwife that I knew that I had to somehow get involved in birth work in some capacity. But I got involved in birth work with this um, idea of being, you know, just supporting moms, giving birth at home, you know, kumbaya, like hippie, just, (laughs) just Mm -hmm. being at home and it just being easy peasy. But it wasn't until, um, going on six years ago where I was introduced to Jenny Joseph. She is, she's my Mm -hmm. shero. She really is. She is 
a woman that I uphold with high regard, tremendous amount of respect for. She is a black British trained midwife based out of Orlando, mm-hmm. Florida, been here about 30 mm-hmm. years. And it was being at her uh, event that exposed me to the devastating statistics in infant and maternal mortality. Mm-hmm. And it was understanding that, like it really, it was like someone punched mm-hmm. me in the gut. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And at that time I was pro-life, you know, but I was tr- a traditional pro-lifer, you know, throwing out statistics about abortion in the black mm-hmm. community. I was doing things all mm-hmm. wrong. I really was. I was doing things all wrong. But when I went to this conference and I heard these statistics, it, it, um, it did something to me and it caused me to question everything, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. It started, it helped me to begin to look at things systematically, uh, look at the systems mm-hmm. at play. And um, it just transformed my thinking like, Oh, actually women in the hospital is what need is who need doulas, right. you know? <laughs> and um, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so, you know, life happened and it was October, 2017 where I put a post on Facebook that said, I wonder what it would like to have, what it would be like to have a birth center in the hood. Mm. And then I quickly let it go because I am, I, at the time I was a homeschooling mother, part-time doula and childbirth educator. And I'm like, what do I know about a birth center? Nothing. (laughs) Um, And I'll let that go about six months after that. um, A woman named Bethany Stricker, who is now, she's my partner, uh, co-founder of Abide reached out to me to just have a conversation with me about maternal health and amongst the black community and about a potential bursitor in South Dallas. And we met up and we never mm-hmm. stopped talking. We never stopped talking. And it was through my conversation with her that we began researching more about the statistics in South Dallas and just the overall um, mess that our country is in when it comes to maternal health for mm-hmm. black women and black babies. And, you know, we knew that Jenny Joseph in Orlando, her methods work. She is single-handedly in her community, reducing infant maternal mortality just by offering right. compassionate right. care. Like oh. just by, and it doesn't have to be a midwife, mm. you know, what she is doing, any practitioner can implement an OB nurse practitioners, Anyone can implement what she is doing and she is, um, yes, she has not had any deaths in the 30 years that she's practiced, Whoa. any maternal deaths. And she has, um, if you go to her web, her website, common sense, childbirth.org, uh, I believe you'll see all the statistics on the JJ way and her methods mm. and her grounds rail report. And it shows like you compare her easy access clinic to the community, um, her, her county and her state. It's way less, way less. There aren't, there are uh, drastically reduced low birth weight babies and it's offering compassionate care. It's being aware of our Mm. biases. It's offering cultural humility. It's not, it's, um, removing barriers to healthcare, and so that is what we are doing. We're basically um, using her as our model um, for our clinic here in South Dallas. And our hope is to open our clinic in 2020. If we have to stretch it to 2021, mm-hmm. we will. But um, that's what we're doing here: is implementing implementing that model, removing the barriers, and really addressing it head on. And so that's the thing: is like I strongly believe that if we want to change things, if we want to reduce infant and maternal mortality, then we have to change the systems. We have to change how healthcare is implemented, Mm -hmm. how healthcare is given to women and their families. We have to start with the employee. We have to start with a volunteer that has hands on, um, that's giving hands on Mm -hmm. support to women and their families. Because it's literally implicit biases that are killing mm-hmm. black women. Wow. That's what it is. So that's that's how that's how I got started and it it I 
<laughs> I look back and I'm just like, wow, it took infertility. Mm-hmm. It took it took releasing mm-hmm. my desire and God saying, um, I want you to desire my will Come for on. you. What is my will for you, mm-hmm. Cecily? And that was my first lesson mm-hmm. right there. And I'm still learning. Like this journey, this journey mm-hmm. is a hard one. It is, it is not easy. Um, it's not, honestly, this work is not something that we want to do. It's not, it's something that we have to do. You know, black women are dying, but the thing about it is like, there are so many women in organizations out there that are doing work. No one's listening to them because they don't fit the quote unquote standard of what pro-life is. And that right there, that breaks my heart. Wow, that that is a mouthful. That is, mm. it is. So I was, so I, I just have one more question, and I was thinking about, um, I was thinking more so theologically, which is, I was thinking about Eve um, after the fall and Eve giving birth and saying, you know, with the help of with with the help of God, I have brought forth a human. Uh, he brought forth a man, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. And I, like Eve, am, am still amazed that God lets humans have humans. Like, I still am like, that is amazing to me. <laughs> I'm like, you know, because the Lord really knows who we are. And I'm like, man, how gracious that God lets yeah. people have other people, um, knowing that we don't treat people right, you know? Okay, right. Um, and right. But yet you can see the gospel illuminated in that, like that gracious act. And I was curious, Cecily, in your work, how do you see the gospel alive? How do you see uh, the gospel radiate um, in, in your works, in, your, in, in helping women to uh, bring children into the world um, in advocating around issues of racial ju- uh, justice and in um, reproductive rights? I just, I'm curious about how the gospel uh, showcases itself in that work. Oh yeah, it show. I, oh man, I see the gospel alive because, um, of the hope. Um, I see hope every time I see a picture of a new mom that just birthed a child Mm. safely surrounded by women who genuinely care for her and are coaching her and empowering her. Um, a a woman walking away from a birth saying, I did Mm. this. I see, um, I see the hope that is mm-hmm. only found in Christ, you know? And that's one thing I often say is I wouldn't be doing this work if I didn't have Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like this work would be nearly impossible. I'd just be like, my hands are thrown up. I I just, <laughs> I can't stand people. Because people be tripping, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes, yes, people be tripping. And, um, but he, like what you said, like, the grace that God gives us to, mm-hmm. to continue to reproduce, that we're, we're able to carry forth a new child, a, a new potential soldier for the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think is, is just amazing. And so I see that, I see it in the, the people that volunteer and, um, and work for our organization and the standard of care that um, that we give women and for women feeling like, you know what, <laughs> I feel safe. That's God. That's God. I mean, that's not that's not um, that's not man. That is only by the grace of God, really. So that's what I see. Um, Micah 6 mm-hmm. is like one of my favorite, mm-hmm. my favorite yeah. scriptures uh, to do justice, love, kindness and walk humbly with our God, yeah. you know. And I feel like what we're mm-hmm. doing is that is, is justice work is knowing that we can't do this without the Lord, you know, that it's not by, it's not by our will, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. his will, you know, and, you know, honestly, because of the, the strong, horrible history of racism and colonization and oppression that we it continue to experience here and beyond, um, it it can overwhelm us to the point where we don't have hope. And it's it's looking to Jesus and what he did on that cross yeah. is what 
is what gives us hope for the future. It says, you know what, you know, Bethany, a white woman who's no longer an ally, but an accomplice in this work, who has that so much humility, you won't see her talking. She doesn't talk much. She just goes out there. She helps the poor women. And she's training up. Our, our hope is to continue to train up more black student midwives. She's like, I'm just going to do right. the work. I'm just going to do right. what the Lord's called me to do. You know, that's, 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 that's a, the gospel. Just like, it's not a word only indeed. Yeah. Right. So I, I see, I see that, you know, and that's part of, that's what's beautiful about like even our values, our values mm-hmm. is racial mm-hmm. conciliation. Mm-hmm. It's reparations. Mm-hmm. It's redemptive All justice. That. It's human mm-hmm. flourishing. It's equity, posture of heart. All of that is the justice that yep. aligns with the gospel. Well, you know, well, you know, we Beautiful. agree with that. All right. Yes. <laughs> you know, we agree with that. And amen. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> all of them things you said. Yes. All of them things. <laughs> I love you, lady. Receive this word, listeners. Yes, yes. I receive it. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, um, Cecily, I want to, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. Right How can people now. support I, her? I feel like What's up? Yeah, well, I, yes. You know what? Tell us how. Our listeners can support your work, um, how they can follow you uh, and follow your work. Um, and then after that, I'm going to pray for you. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you can follow us on AbideWomensHealth.org. Um, that's our website. You can find us at all social media outlets, Abide underscore women. Uh, our donate buttons on our Facebook page and our website. Uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that are dependent upon individual donations mm-hmm. to help us support women right. in and out of the hospital through peer counseling, through um, prenatal care, oh. through doula support. Being pro-life, name yes. It. Yes. Um, yes. So, <laughs> Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. <laughs> and of course, you can follow my personal activism, which kind of ties in a bit with what we're doing with Abide at Cecily R. Smith on um, Instagram and Facebook. But yes, thank you so much. I appreciate you of having course, me on here course. today. Um, so, and we will, uh, we will, of course, put all of that information um, in our show notes as well. So that when they listen to this episode, they can click and donate, God mm-hmm. willing. Um, so why don't I, I'm going to pray for you, uh, Cecily um, and our sisters. Um, and you. I'm going to try to do so without crying. You can cry. Jesus gave you up. tears. <laughs> That's right. You can cry. Uh, yes. Uh, Father God, mm-hmm. I just thank you. We thank you, oh God, for your loving kindness and your grace, God. I thank you, Father God, that before the foundations of the world, oh Lord, you called Cecily yes. to be your own. You chose her. You saw her, Lord God. You formed her um, in her own in her mother's womb, Lord. And I just thank you, Father, for the calling that you've mm. given her, Lord, to support other women, oh Lord God, who are trying to bring and desire to bring another life into Mm -hmm. this world, oh God, that you've entrusted us with, Lord. Um, Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the finished work of Jesus Christ, oh Lord, that that actually fuels and empowers um, Cecily's work, oh Lord. I pray, Father God, for Abide um, Women Mm -hmm. Health Services, Lord. I pray that you would open up doors that no man can shut, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you would send donors, Mm -hmm. oh Lord God, um, angel yes, donors, Lord. angel investors, yes. oh God, that will simply drop the money, oh God, um, so that Cecily yes. and her co-founder can use that money as it sees mm-hmm. fit, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that that um, a facility would open up, oh God, mm-hmm. in South Dallas, that it would open up in either 2020 or 2021, mm-hmm. oh Lord God, so that she can begin yes. to uh, make mm-hmm. a significant impact on the mortality rates for infants and their mothers, Lord. We pray, Father, that it would plummet, oh Lord, as a result of abide being established yes, there. Lord. Your word says abide yes. in me and I in you. As a, uh, as a tree mm-hmm. cannot bear fruit except um, apart from the vine. Yeah. We need you. We can't do anything yes. apart mm-hmm. from you, oh God. Yes. So I just pray, oh God, mm-hmm. that you would bless her, that you would continue to keep her, Lord, that you would keep your hand upon her womb, oh Lord God, as a, a little child is, is being formed right now, oh God, and coming into the world, Lord yes. God, and you have a plan and purpose for that child's life even now, Lord. And I pray, oh God, for the Hannahs who mm-hmm. are in tears after listening to this 
to this uh, yeah. uh, episode to the um, uh, uh, unwed mother, uh, mm-hmm. mothers, oh Lord, who are uh, weeping and mm-hmm. saying, that was me. That was my experience or that wasn't my experience, but by the grace of God, I'm here um, to the women, unmarried women who have yet to give birth. Oh, Lord, who wonder, will it happen for me? Will I become a stat? God, I pray, oh, Lord, that you, your word says your eyes roam to and fro throughout all the earth, seeking someone to show yourself strong to. And I pray that you will show yourself strong to the single mother. I pray that you would show yourself strong to the impregnated mm-hmm. woman right now, Lord. I pray that you would show yourself strong yes. to the single woman who has yet to have a child, Lord. And I pray, oh, God, that you, oh Lord God, would have mercy, that you would continue to be gracious, Lord God. And I pray you will open up the womb of those who have yet to have children, Lord God, and that you would get all the Mm -hmm. glory, that you would get all the praise, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that we in this United States will become more consistent, oh Lord God, in our justice efforts, Lord, that we would truly believe that all black lives matter, Lord. From the womb to yes. the tomb, from the infant to the trans mm-hmm. neighbor, Lord God, all their lives matter to you yeah. and all of them, oh God, are precious in your sight, Lord. I pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Ah, uh, yes. Jesus, go <laughs> forth with power, grace, yeah. humility. Humble yourself under the yeah. mighty hand of God. And he will and we'll be praying that that, um, yeah. that abides will be, and that midwives will be in every city in this country. Um, we'll, we'll, yes. we'll be praying that yes. um, midwives yes. will Let's lead a, re- re- a revolution yes. of humility a and life and grace. Yeah. And um, that yes. is, that's yes. one of those big, bold uh, prayers, but nothing is too hard prayers. for God. Yes. Um, and nothing just think about how bright that light right. would shine uh, if we had midwives taken over the cities of this country. And that is a vision that I think oh is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I, and I pray beautiful. that the Lord will, will give the increase in that regard. Yes, God. We pray to that. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Well, we want to thank you, Cecily, of course, for taking a seat at the table. Thank you, sis. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, ladies. I appreciate you. I really do. And I'm just honored to sit well, here with you. We lock arms with you, really. We we really do. We, we the Lord's called us all to different I work. But we lock arms with you. It's all for the kingdom, really and true. I feel um, it, sisters. And, I do. Um, and of course, we want to thank our sisters for taking a seat at the table mm-hmm. with us this week as well. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts, okay, about you, okay, sis, black midwives, and mamas matter using the hashtag Truth Table. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truth Table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table also has a Patreon account, so you can send your love offerings to www.patreon.com backslash truthstable, or you can bless us at PayPal, which is www.paypal.me backslash, backslash, sorry, truthstable. Truthstable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. And we have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.